This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. You've come on a really especially, um, I'd say, important day. Uh, we have a guest speaker with us today. His name is Fouad Masri. Uh, I've met Fouad a few months ago, pre-corona, as I recall, or maybe uh, if you've listened to our deeper podcast, he has appeared on that uh, about a year ago. Fouad's ministry uh, for 30 years now has been reaching Muslims for Christ in the United States and around the world. And in those 30 years, millions of Muslims have come to faith in Christ. And as someone personally who has been chased out of town by radical Muslims, as someone who has had uh, almost been arrested by radical Islam, uh, I can tell you that the thing that they need is not a lecture. They need Jesus. They need the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus loves Muslims. He loves them so much. Here's how much Jesus loves them, that he'd send a chubby white guy like me halfway around the world to tell them that he loves them. But if you don't want to go halfway around the world, you in our own community may not even know this, but the Muslim population, in, specifically in Middle Tennessee, has grown exponentially. You may not remember this, but back in the early 2000s when the uh, election was happening in Iraq, Nashville was one of the sites for uh, voting in the United States because the Kurdish population here in America, in Tennessee, is one of the largest, if not the largest, in America. And I would say to you that if you are looking around your suburban neighborhood on your Facebook page for your neighborhood, you'll notice more and more families from other countries who are Muslim, Hindu, other faiths as well. We don't have to go halfway around the world. When we say that we are a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us, that is what we are talking about. And it might feel overwhelming. It might feel like, how do I even begin to have that conversation? And that is why Fouad is with us this morning. His ministry is called The Crescent Project. And they've got a team that equips churches all over the United States for this very thing. And we were talking this morning, we want to host one of his events right here in this building. But I would love it if you would give Fouad, make him feel welcome here this morning at Conduit as he shares what Jesus is doing and how we can get involved. Thanks, there. Thank you. Morning, church. Great to be with you in worship this morning. Many times people tell me, why Christians sing? Why you guys worship and are happy and you have music and drums? Why are we so happy? We're happy because we found Jesus. He's the Savior. He set us free from sin. And I love what you said, Pastor, in the first service. When you come to Jesus, shame off you, not on you. You live in communities, even people. Sometimes you put something on Facebook and be like, shame on you. Everybody wants to shame you. But when you come to Jesus, you are set free. He takes your shame away. And that's why I love my Savior. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd because I take care of the sheep. Jesus says, I no longer leave you orphans. I'm preparing a place for you. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Jesus says, I will never leave you 
nor forsake you. A friend of mine from a Sunni background, when she read the Bible, she said to me, I wanted to follow Jesus because he's the friend who will never leave me. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus says, do unto others what you want them to do unto you. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Do not repay evil with evil, but repay evil with good. Wow, that's a good one for the Middle East. And Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what the master is doing. I call you friends. When you read it in the original language, it's best friends. Like you say in America, BFF. This is the only religion, the Bible, the Angel is the only religion that says that the God of the universe wants you to be his best friend. I have a master's degree in religious studies. I have a master's degree in Islamic studies. There's no religion that says that God of the universe came down to redeem us and make us his best friends. Now, I want to use PowerPoint because it's America. We have to use some PowerPoint. But um, I want to show you the city I grew up in. My name is Fouad, and I took Jesus as my Savior, and you are my family. If you believe in Jesus, you are my sister. If you believe in Jesus, you are my brother. So this is the city I grew up in. We don't have any deserts or camels in Lebanon. The only camels are for American tourists to make money from you. And if you look at the picture, you can see the snow-capped mountains there. And Lebanon is this very small country. It's the size of Connecticut. So I can drive from Beirut to Damascus, Syria in an hour and a half. I can go from Beirut to Amman, Jordan in four hours. I drove 20 hours, and I was still in the state of Texas. So I'm just putting this in perspective. So I came to America first time as a student, and I remember in class, and my friend says to me, hey, don't miss the midterm. I said, why? And he goes, you'll be up the creek. I looked at him like, up the creek? He goes, yeah, you'll be up the creek without a paddle. I'm like, it's not a canoeing class. <laughs> See, I studied English 12 years before coming to America. Found out Americans don't speak English, they speak American. <laughs> so it was, a, it was an uphill battle too. But growing up in Lebanon, it was during the Lebanese Civil War. And this is the city where I grew up in. It's about a million and a half. Uh, Lebanon is, is maybe four million people. We have two million Syrian refugees. We have 700,000 Palestinian refugees. But my best friend Walid died at age 18, walking on that highway right there. He was killed by the Palestinians. My mom is Syrian, so I have cousins who fought in the Golan Heights. And so I hated the Israelis, I hated the Jewish people. I hated Palestinians for killing uh, for killing my best friend. And during the Lebanese Civil War, my heart was so hard. I, my dad is a pastor and my grandpa was a pastor. But the way the gospel came to our family is my grandpa ran away from the Turkish army during World War I and took a boat to Ellis Island. And when he got to Ellis Island, they told him, go west, young man. So he moved to Toledo, Ohio. And an American family, believers, Loved on my grandfather, shared the gospel with him. He became a believer, went back. I never met him. He died outside Damascus, sharing the good news. But growing up in this, like, I, know I don't want to believe in God. I, don't, I really want to uh, keep it to myself. I had these questions. And a friend asked me, Fahad, if you die tomorrow, where do you go? I said, I don't believe in God. I don't know. But he said to me, if God exists, then it's too late then. Oops. You better be sure, because everybody will die, and you can't take it with you. 
But the war was so, so hard on us because there were snipers, there were people killing each other, the neighbors, there were Sunni militia, Shia militia, Catholic militia, there were Iranians, there were Palestinians, and people were killing each other over anything, religious background, political allegiances. And you'd be walking down the street and you see somebody dead, maybe sniped. And then the car bombs was an, another nightmare for us in growing up in Lebanon. You hear about it till now. You say, oh, there was a car bomb. Well, car bombs is like a Mercedes or a Cadillac or a Ford. They take the upholstery out and they put dynamite. And then they put it back together and they put bags of nails. So when it explodes, there's more shrapnel. Then they put a timer. It could be 7 in the morning, noon. could be 4 in the afternoon. And then they park the car in front of a mosque or a church or if there is a church or in front of a school or a supermarket. One year, we had a car bomb once a month in my neighborhood. You'd be walking. You wouldn't know which one's going to explode. It was like living in a horror movie because sometimes you walk and you see a head or a body or part of a body. And so you, you, you'll be walking, it's like, okay, is it the Cadillac that's going to explode? Is it the, is it the, the Mercedes that's going to explode? Is the Pinto going to explode? It's okay if the Pinto explodes. No. <laughs> My wife says I've been in America too long. <laughs> but, but the idea is you are so worried, so scared. And I started this studying different religions. And what hit me that Jesus changes everything. Christ doesn't say, do these rules. Jesus splits, uh, flips it. He says, no, I come, I cleanse you, I give you power. Without me, you can do nothing. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And I started reading, I said, okay, I, I believe in Jesus, but it was here in the head. And many times when I talk to people, and even in America, the, the Christianity is much as the head. But what is the heart? The Bible says we should worship God with all our mind. That's your logic. That's your intellect. That's your creativity. That's why we, as Christians, we study, we invent. You know, the, the God used us. Man used this, his mind to praise God. Yeah, the iPhone, the technology, all this, the music, the creativity. This is using your mind, what God has given you. But then Jesus says we have to love God from all our heart. What does that mean? Heart is where your will is. You don't tell your wife, honey, I love you from all my mind. Like, oh, yes, that's cute. No, no, it's my will. I've decided. You're my one and only. So how did the information for me come from the mind to the heart? We have family friends. They have three kids. They're eating dinner during the Lebanese war. And uh, their two-year-old son, sorry, they have four kids. Uh, the the, the two-year-old son spilled milk. So the father got up quickly from the table, grabbed the son, went to the bathroom to wash him. And while he's there, a mortar shell, this big, came through the balcony door, exploded in the middle of the table, and wife and three kids pieces on the wall. He survived with his two-year-old son, grabbed a plastic bag, and picked up the pieces and buried his whole family in one bag. And that was the trigger to move the information about Jesus from the mind to the heart. The problem in Lebanon is not weapons. Weapons don't kill people. People kill people. We've killed each other with knife, sticks, and stones. We've killed each other over skin color, over religion, over land. And you look at the human history, it's a mess. Even this morning on the Arabic news, two sisters in an Arab country stabbed, stabbed their own brother and killed him. The problem is not the weapon. The problem is the human heart. In the Middle East, we don't need more religion. We have a lot of religion. The problem is the human heart. In the Middle East, we don't need money. We have a lot of money. It's the human heart. But it was my heart. So I went to my room. I knelt by my bed. And I said, Lord Jesus, change my heart. Forgive my sin of hate. Because I hated Jewish people and Palestinian people. 
Change me. I want to be a soldier of love. I want to be a soldier of peace. And God changed my heart supernaturally. See, we live in a, in a sensory now. They want to take out the God factor. But I have news for you. <laughs> you cannot take him out. He's always moving. And God changed my heart. Started praying for the Jewish people. Praying for the Palestinians. Praying for my Shia neighbor. Sunni neighbor. And the God that changed my heart and changed your heart. We know that this is the only hope for this planet. Not more rules. You can tell me to love my neighbor as myself. You can tell me to keep the Ten Commandments. But guess what? The Jewish people in all their history broke the Ten Commandments. Adam and Eve, God gave them one commandment. And they broke it. The problem is not the rules. The problem is obedience, the heart, the change of the value in your mind, the value of your heart. And that's why we are all about sharing the good news. Our dream as a ministry, as a team, that every Muslim, every Muslim has the opportunity to hear the good news and respond. Maybe yes, maybe no, it doesn't matter. But have the opportunity to respond. And like Pastor Daring did the series on the essential church, God's plan is that we distribute his message. We distribute the good news of Christ. We are the distribution center. This morning, I have two members of my team here. Uh, Steve, will, uh, he's in the back if you want to wave Steve, but he's going to be at the booth. Steve directs all our ministry from online outreach to life on life. And then Sarah is with us. She coordinates all the women outreaches. And you love talking to Sarah because she is from Arab background. And you, you'd love to hear her story, how God uh, led her to faith in Christ. But our goal today is to change this situation we're in. We call this the 1040 window. When you meet somebody from Indonesia, 150 million, largest Muslim nation, it's not even Arab. They don't read Arabic, they can't read the Quran. And if they meet from Indonesia, or India, or Pakistan, or Senegal, or Uganda, if, or India, if you meet Muslims across the Middle East, they are what we call the 1040 window, which means they have never had access to the scripture. Number one, many times the websites are blocked or satellite TV is blocked. Um, they cannot hear the good news of Jesus. They don't know what we believe. Second, they have false information. Many times you're talking to a Muslim and they tell you, well, Christians worship three gods. Well, that's not true. We worship one God, not three. And many times you ask him, what three gods? They say, oh, God the Father, Mary the Mother, and Jesus the baby. Oh, no. We can't even, as Christians, we can't even think that way. We're not allowed to think that way. The Bible teaches it's a virgin birth. So many times they have the false information. I was sharing with, it, with an imam. I said, uh, sir, I would like to give you the Injil. It's the Arabic word. For Bible says, so I could give you the Injil, it's the book of Jesus. So he looks at me, he's trying to patronize me. He goes, Son, have you read the Quran? I said, Yes, 14 times. Uh, now it's 30 times. He goes, I said, 14 times. He goes, In Arabic? I said, Yeah, in Arabic. Why? Do I look French to you? I'm an Arab. I read the Quran in Arabic. And sadly, he's never read the Bible. So he takes the Bible, he leaves. And I'm thinking to myself, He is the religious leader, he's like the priest, he's like the pastor of his community. He's never read the book of Jesus. So when Muslims ask this imam about Jesus, what does he tell them? Nothing. He doesn't know the story. We're from the words of Jesus. So the struggle when you look at the 1040 window, they have no access in the, and also there's static. And now they're coming to the West, coming to Canada, United States. They're in Latin America. They're in Brazil. They're coming. They come as students. They come as refugees. They come as business people. And there are people who are born here from Muslim parents. They're American. 
I love meeting them because it's kind of fun, you know? Especially if their parents are from another country that I don't know. It's like, hey, what, what habits do you have? What traditions do you have in your culture? And it's exciting to see that they're coming to countries where there's freedom. In 2003, after September 11, that's what breaks my heart, is that the Muslims have been here for many years and the church ignored them. But September 11, kind of, we woke up a little bit. And in 2003, there's a group called OIC, Organization of Islamic Cooperation. 57 countries, Muslim countries, tax, ta take tax dollars to spread Islam. They met in 2003 and they could not agree if the terrorists of September 11 are Muslim or not. In 2021, they just came up and said, well, we, did, we, got, we all agree that Islam is a peaceful religion. <gasps> Great, there's change. A Little bit, but there's change. Now, what does that mean? That's another conversation. But today, uh, in America, by 2030, there will be 77% growth of Islam. And my question to you this morning, why did God give oil to the Arab people? This is the Mecca, this is the largest mosque where they're supposed to worship. On one side of the screen, 20 years ago, how it looked. Right now, look how it is. They're estimating by 2070, Islam and Christianity will be equal on, the, on this planet. And my question, look at history and tell me, is that gonna be a positive or a negative? How many church buildings are allowed even in Saudi Arabia? A Muslim in the Arab world walked into a church and asked to get a Bible, and the pastor said, I'm sorry, I can't give you a Bible. The camera is on, and they're watching. Imagine, it's the 21st century. Algeria passed a law because of the number of house churches and number of people going on the web asking to know more about Jesus and Christianity. They passed a law that you cannot tell an Algerian citizen about any other religion except Islam. What? There are more than 2,100 mosques in the United States. Some of them were church buildings, bought and made as a mosque. We live in the 21st century, yet there's a whole block. Every time you pump gas in your car, you send $1,200 to the Middle East. That's the money we're sending. So my question is, why did God give oil to the Arab people? Why doesn't he give it to the Swiss? They're nice. <laughs> you go to Switzerland, get chocolate and oil. Why the Arabs? And look how God set it up. They have to sell the oil outside. You know, in Islam, they call you Muslim or Kafir, like infidel, unbeliever. So <laughs> the system is we have so much oil, but we're going to sell it to those non-Muslims. And the non-Muslims in America and the West can't have enough of it. Why did God set it up that way? On top of it that you will not hear is that today there's a conflict within Islam. The conflict is who's right, the Sunnis or the Shiites, the Ahmadiyyas or the Ismailis. There's at least 200 denominations under Islam. Are the militants correct or the moderates correct? Who, who represents Islam? The struggle at the end is Prophet Muhammad, the Prophet of Islam represents Islam. So it's gonna be very hard to get rid of jihad because jihad is practiced by Muhammad and it's mentioned in chapter nine of the Quran, verse five, chapter nine, verse 29, chapter nine, verse 111, chapter 47, chapter 25, verse 52. So the struggle today is, as you look in the book, there's a problem, jihad is not ending. While for us Christians, we had the reformation where people look back in the book and it's like, wait a second, we're doing stuff that's not like what Jesus said. And so for us, it's important to come back. But what's happening because of that, the religious 
people are starting to control and people say, no, we don't want religion. We want to find out something else. So there's new curiosity, new openness. And like Pastor was saying, not only millions of people committed their life on Christ on, on the internet or face-to-face, but there's this idea of influx of information. Our ministry with the refugees in the last six years, exponential growth, because of 2020, we had a huge growth on our online ministry. Thousands of people asking, thousands of people asking to know more about Jesus. I'll share a couple more testimonies. But I want to share this story. I love this story. In a country where it's illegal to give out Bibles and do a Bible study, there were 10 Muslim background believers in a Bible study. And the secret service found out about them and captured them, threw them in prison. What do you think they did in prison? You know, in America, we get penned out of shape, you know. You know, they, there is persecution. Yes, there is. So they threw them in prison. They continued the Bible study. So other prisoners started attending the Bible study. So the, past, the, the warden, the leader of the, of the prison got upset, brought the 10 guys in. He said, look guys, you're gonna create trouble for me. More people are coming to your Bible study. I'm using a different strategy. I'm sending you each one to a different prison. <laughs> you got the punchline, right? Church planting, wonderful. It doesn't matter how many believers are there. One, one can make a difference. What I believe God's telling us today is from John chapter 10. It's beautiful. Many times the words of Jesus are so powerful. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate of the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. When people ask me, why do you want to tell me about Jesus? Because Jesus has come that they might have life. We're doing exactly what Jesus told us to tell them. Jesus continues, says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep knows me just as the father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. It's a powerful text. Jesus takes care of you. Jesus is building his community. He's building his, she- his flock. We are just for the journey. We're not doing this. We're just invited to do this. And I love this, this vision of he will protect. You know, ISIS, which stands for Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, killed one of the pilots of the, the country of Jordan. And, and the king of Jordan is very gutsy. He got on a plane, got the Air Force, and they bombed ISIS. And he said, nobody should hurt a Jordanian citizen. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Nobody will hurt my people. Nobody will hurt people of my sheep. Then that, he ends this way. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. My brother and my sister, what Jesus is saying Everybody wants to divide. How did you vote last year? Who do you like? What religion are you? You know, what music do you like? There's so much division. You come to the Middle East, we have more division. The Muslim world is struggling with conflicts. Now there are rumors of civil wars in many other countries, like Tunisia and other countries. And what Jesus is telling us as followers is we do not divide. We bring, we invite, we welcome. He brings us from different experiences. 
Because Jesus is the only Savior. Jesus wants us to have compassion on someone who's different. Many times we would say, well, you know, uh, how do you want me to love my neighbor if they disagree with me? It's okay. You can love someone and not agree with them. Anybody has children today? If you have children, you can love them and not agree with them. And, and Jesus wants us to love someone. Even we disagree, it's all right. You can show them love. And many times, well, one person said to me, well, Jesus is not the only way. Well, we have one family member, extended family member, who is diabetic, okay? The doctor says she has to take insulin on a daily basis. What if we went to the doctor and said, hey, doc, you're a little bit eccentric here. Relax a little bit. Let her have apple pie. No. The only hope for her is insulin. For us, Jesus is the good news. The word evangelism comes from the word evangelion, means good news. What is the good news? It's in Luke, where the shepherd, where the angels appear to the shepherd and told him, today we have good news. What is the good news? A savior has been born. It's not more computers, more rules, more regulations. You can tell me to love my neighbor, and I share with you that the Ten Commandments were broken because it needs power from within. The idea of the branch connected to the uh, vine. Uh, on, on Facebook, you know, I, I love Facebook and, and all these social media. And, you know, on Facebook, sometimes people are rude or passive aggressive, you know. And I'm like, I'm an Arab. I can smell it if it's passive aggressive. We're, we're, we're the kings of passive aggressive. So I'm putting down that in the last six years, our ministry has grown among refugees and how even helping them in their physical needs is leading to conversations about Jesus. And this person put down and says, no, no, you need to help them. If they need water, just give them water. If they need food, just give them food. So I responded. I said, ma'am, we have a team members working with refugees. At two in the morning, the lady knocks at the door. Her husband had been beating her regularly, but this time he kicks her out of the house. I said, this lady doesn't need more water, does not need more lessons about English, does not need more food. She needs somebody to tell her that her shame has been taken and somebody has to share the gospel with her husband. Well, our team member at three in the morning walked back, took the wife, with, with his wife, went back to the guy, knocked the door, and said to him, what you're doing shames the Messiah Jesus. And read for him some verses from the Bible and told him, you need to take your wife back. Because the Bible says you have to take care of your wife. So the guy got convicted. He let his wife back. He even allowed his house to have a Bible study. He hasn't become a believer. But what compassion must lead to sharing the story. Now Jesus gives us some Key ways to share the story. In Matthew 5, 13 to 14, it says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. See, many times we think ministry to somebody, talking to somebody is like a hammer. You know, bam, oh, it didn't work. Bam, let me hit harder. You know, no, no, Jesus is saying, when you share my story, when you share the gospel, it's like salt. Okay, when I'm cooking, when you're cooking, you know, you put a little bit. You don't dump the whole thing. Nobody's going to eat it. When you're like, well, check it out. I bumped the whole thing. No, sometimes we meet somebody and we just want to tell them the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation. It's okay. Relax. It's all right. You know, you meet somebody, you know, who maybe dresses different, maybe cooks different. I don't know. Maybe smells different. It's okay. 
Salt, be the salt. I was in Toronto, Canada, and I noticed that the building had a lot of Pakistanis. I'm talking to this guy, Canadian believer. I said, hey, uh, you have a lot of Pakistanis in the building. Do you get to share the gospel with them? This is how he responded. He goes, no, man, they cook with garlic. It just, you know, smells a lot. Like, garlic, what's wrong with garlic? Lebanese brush their teeth with garlic. What are you doing? You know, so the idea is like, oh, they cook different than I am. It's okay. It's okay. A little bit, a little bit, it's all right. It could be you're sitting on a flight and you're talking to somebody. Hey, where are you from? One of my funniest stories, I was flying from Indianapolis to Dallas, and I got the, uh, the aisle seat, and this big guy sat on the window seat, and uh, he looks at me and goes, what do you do? I said, I'm a Christian minister. He goes, I love baby Jesus. <laughs> I said to him, sir, Jesus grew up and had more to say. You know, you might have... <laughs> You might have somebody like good old American boy standing next to you and that he needs to know about Jesus. Or the guy was flying back from Paris to Dallas, Texas. I was coming back from the Middle East and the guy sitting next to me, I, I could figure like maybe he's Indian from his look. Maybe he's Indian, maybe he's Pakistani. Found out he was Pakistani. So he asked me, I took my Arabic Bible. He goes, is this the Quran? I said, no, that's my Arabic Bible. He goes, oh, you're a believer? I said, yeah. He goes, I've been in America for 30 years. I love this country. I came as an engineer. I just flew to, to Pakistan and I'm back and I'm tired of religion. So I bought an English Bible. He's reading the English. I said, bro, we had a great conversation. Don't you love it? You know, seven hours. He's got his seatbelt on. He's going nowhere. So you got seven hours to be a salt. Be a salt. The second thing is as needed. You salt as needed. If they don't want to talk about Jesus, it's okay. You don't have to talk about Jesus. I, was, I met a uh, student about two weeks ago from Vanderbilt. We're talking. He's got his mask on. And he said to me, are you Christian? I said, I'm a follower of Jesus. And um, I, I'm a practicing believer. And he said to me, uh, you know, I asked my mom, how do we know who are the true believers? And I said to her, I said to him, oh, 2,000 years ago, the Messiah Jesus told us. He said, oh, the Messiah Jesus told us? I said, yeah, he told us you cannot get grapes from thorns. So from their fruit, you shall know them. He said, oh, that's a good idea. You know, he's got his mask on, his eyes go down. And then I said to him, you know, everybody wants to live a good life in the sight of God. But Jesus told us we cannot do it. That's why he says, the vine and the branches. He's the vine, we're the branches. We abide in him. And he gives us power. So he pulled down his mask, big smile. He goes, oh, that's so good. And I gave him the, uh, a copy of the Gospel of John in Arabic and in English. He, he has lived in America. 18 years, never heard the Gospel. A, a friend of mine were talking uh, in California, born and raised in the United States. The first time she heard the Gospel was when she was 30 years old. She said, why? Why it took 30 years for somebody to tell me? Uh, one of our... Um, Team members, uh, she works in a refugee center. And this lady is now on her third year of attending a Bible study. And she asked her, why you come back to Bible study? Said to her, I came to America, you were the first American to give me a hug. See, an iPhone cannot give you a hug. And sometimes God puts you in situations, see, to get the salt, you gotta crush it. Sometimes God puts you in situations so you can help another. On Wednesday, I was on the phone with a lady, a Shia background, from the Arab world, she was raped by her own father since she was four years old. And she said to me, when I knew about Jesus, he set me free, I wanna help others be set free. For today, uh, please, I have a gift for you to get this called Let Me Be Your Neighbor. It's a series that's available free for everybody. Just go on our website, you can download it, but it has more points on how to be a neighbor. It doesn't matter if they're from Muslim background. But I wanna end our time with it. 
reflection. Two Afghan refugees were sitting with an American woman and she's showing a movie on the life of Christ and when the movie ends with the resurrection, the two Afghan ladies, and you know, Afghanistan is not easy. I mean, all you have to do is look at the pictures. They've lost everything. And that war will probably go another 10 years. But these two Afghan ladies, with their hijab on, they started praying, uh, crying, just crying, sobbing. And the American lady said, are you crying because Jesus hung on the cross and suffered? And they said, no, 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 we're crying that he rose from the dead and no one told us. My brother and my sister, there's millions of people who are yearning for the story that God loves them and Jesus takes their shame, their sin, sets them free, lives in them. The God who changed you and changed me is worthy of us telling the story. If you don't know Jesus, today don't leave. Say, Lord, I want to take you. I want to follow you. Don't think of religion. We're not asking you to join a religion. We're asking you to follow the Messiah, Jesus. So when we go to prayer, this is what I want to ask you. Just focus on Christ. And what is he asking you to do? One thing that he wants you to do. Shall we pray? Pastor, we Lord, as we come to you this morning, I pray that our hearts are quiet, are open, and listening. Lord, I pray that even right now you are bringing to mind somebody specifically not a they somewhere out there, but a, a, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, that very specifically in our minds, Lord, would you begin to build the empathy in our hearts, the compassion in our hearts, the compassion, the passion, the, the anger not at them, but the anger for them, the anger that the enemy would want to steal their souls, the anger that the enemy wants to keep them locked up in shame and regret and darkness. Lord, that we could be angry enough at that demonic oppression to want to do something. Lord, remind us and even in our own hearts, they're not the enemy. They're a hostage. And we do not shoot hostages in the war. They are not the enemy, Lord. We pray in our own community, in our own neighborhoods, Lord, would you Shine the light. Get us out of our houses and out of our comfort zones. Yes, sir. I pray that your supernatural courage would rise up within. And thank you, Lord, even for what Fouad has taught us here, that we're not out there trying to close some deal like we're selling something. We're just sprinkling salt. Lord, that's not a pressure thing at all. That's just sprinkling the salt Lord, I pray that we'll walk out of here today with that in our minds and in our hearts and to be encouraged by that, not discouraged. Thank you, Lord. Not all of us are called to go to Afghanistan. Praise God for that. We don't have to. We have brothers and sisters in our own community that you want to reach out to. Lord, would you give us that wisdom and that courage? Thank you for the ministry of Fouad Masri, of his family, of his team, of the millions that have already come to faith in Christ. And I believe, uh, you're not going to see it on the news, Lord, but I know you see it, that the millions of 
Muslims who are turning their back from Allah and turning to Jehovah, to Jesus. We're so thankful that we get to play even a small part in that. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. 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 Fuad, are you going to be out here at your table? Yeah. Okay. So walk right outside those doors. There's a table. Fuad and his team are going to be there. Please stop, pick up the tools that he's got, get information on what they're doing. We're going to figure out a way to do a, 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 a training in here for our church, all the churches in the area. We want Fuad to come back. It's, it's no accident that God brought Fuad from Indiana to Nashville, and we want to play as big of a role as we can in that. So God bless you, you. Fuad. God bless your team. Thank you. Yeah, give it up for him. Thank you. Thanks,